All right. Well, um, hello to anyone in the future watching uh, me, Jez and Pete nut out the mysteries of prayer and anyone else who may end up joining us here. Um, I thought we could just start just, I guess, opening up around maybe just thinking through some of the um, most positive experiences you've had of prayer. And this could be at any stage in your life. It could be, uh, I remember when I used to go to bed at night and my parents would come in every night and pray with me. And that was just a, a really beautiful part of the daily rhythm of life as a kid. And it made me feel safe. And if I couldn't get to sleep, I'd ask them to come back and do another prayer because the first one hadn't worked, obviously. Um, but whatever a positive experience of prayer, if, if you can think of one, and then um, on the flip side, you know, maybe has, has there been, and I'd say there probably has been some disappointments or some situations where prayer has really felt like you've been let down or you've been frustrated um, by an unanswered prayer or an experience in prayer that left you kind of scratching your head. So just open it up, maybe start with um, the positive, if there's anything that comes to mind that, that throughout life has been a, a, a gift of prayer, I guess. Yeah, I think um, my mum, pretty much every time I see her, she'll pray for me. Um, like to this day, um, she, it doesn't matter if I've said I'm okay or if I'm struggling or um, she just likes to cover me in prayer. And I think she does that with all of my siblings. Um, but me probably, especially because I've um, can be a bit vulnerable and I need, I feel like I need prayer. And I think she um, recognizes that. So she's very faithful in, and I know she prays a lot herself, um, mm. you know, in her, in her time, like she always says she's prays for all of us kids every day. And, um, and yeah, I think personally, um, I feel sometimes I feel like prayer does something in myself, even if it's not a direct outcome doesn't come out of it. Um, I feel like grounds me, mm. it keeps me thinking, um, it keeps me thinking positively and just um, thinking that there's possibility, there's hope for things to change, things to get better. Um, mm. So I don't see many like answers like I would want, but um, I think just in myself, in my mind and in my spirit, it kind of really helps me to just keep focused on God and keep focused on heaven and just the possibility of, of healing and growth. And um, yeah, so um, yeah, some times are better than others with prayer, but I feel like most of the time, I feel like I get something out of it. So yeah. Hey, Heidi. Hello, how, how are you? you? Good. Heidi. Hi. We just try and see you all. Here you go. That's How you better. going? Good. <laughs> That's good. We just um, we're just sharing. We're sort of starting our our discussion by reflecting on some of the positive experiences we've had of prayer, some of the memories that we might have of prayer that was really meaningful to us and. Jez has just been sharing about how his mum always prays for him, you know, to this day, just every time they kind of get together. Um, and then uh, I guess there's some space as well to share then about some of the disappointments, the frustrations, maybe the moments where we've just felt like, what's the, what's the point of it? So, yeah, just an open starting point of the highs and lows that we've experienced. Okay, cool. How about you, Pete? What what comes to mind for you? I think the positive times for me were, if I think about prayer, it's when I was younger, I, I would often go, I'd go bush uh, with my Bible and often with a particular problem, challenge, whatever, and or just, just um, maybe to listen. And uh, I found that... A really valuable time of connection. I don't know how prayer works. There's an osmosis or something that somehow comes in and uh, and it touches you. And I, 
I think for me, the positive times of prayer, I think tend to come when I actually shut up <laughs> and just am quiet and try to listen maybe to what God might have to say to me or or not even not even that necessarily just follow some of the thoughts that might come into my head I guess the the benefit I see is there's a connection that happens that I find uh, to me is a connection with God so yeah I think that's that's positive in my history of prayer mm. Thanks, Pete. I like, I like, I've heard somebody describe prayer as listening with God. And I think that's a nice, you know, sort of the act of there's a conversation where two people speak, but you know, that, that sense of sitting together in the listening might be another way of thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, I say, I heard mother, <clears throat> the story where mother Teresa was asked, um, oh, what, what was her, she actually was asked, um, what do you pray? And she said, I don't, I listen. Mm. And she said, and, and what does God say to you? Uh, the interviewer asked, and she said, he doesn't, he listens. Mm. And she said, and if you don't understand that, I'm not sure that I can explain it to you. Now, I'm not sure I fully understand that either, but somewhere there's something quite deep in that because I would imagine that she would be in that state of connection with God, not just for one minute or two, but for a long period of time. Mm. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, um, there have been, often I find the most positive moments that I've had in prayer are when I'm outside of my normal, like when I'm walking somewhere, when I'm in nature, like you've kind of expressed there, Pete. I find that if I sit and, and try to pray, um, you know, it, it can actually be just so hard to um, not just have my monkey brain going crazy. But I find that when I actually go for a walk, and I pro I'm kind of just processing things, but I'm processing it out loud and with a sense that, that maybe God is listening. Those have been probably some of the times in prayer that I felt the most refreshed, energised. I felt presence. I felt connection. Um, yeah. How about for you, Heidi? I've had uh, lots of positive experiences with prayer. <laughs> um, also for... Uh, other people praying for me or a group of people praying over a long period of time for some specific things. Um, and I found that absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, and I, I have felt real connection and like, like it's really real, like through those experiences has been very positive experiences um, I can relate to feeling more like you're praying and connecting to God when you're out in nature. I, I think that there's, I think the reason we feel that you can pray more clearly when you're doing that is because I think a lot of us find ourselves feeling closer to God when we are outside of mm. our immediate environment and we are in nature. Um, I think that's, it's a perfect, it's the a depth of the, connection that we can have with God is when we are in those places because um, we take away all this distraction, all this stuff that's around us the rest of the time. Um, yeah, that's, that's some of my positive prayer. But I also think some of my most positive prayer experiences have come out of deep, heartfelt, gut-wrenching prayer, yucky prayer. <laughs> when you sort of feel like you're breaking and you're, you're on your knees even. I, I was thinking about that um, because they said, Scott apparently said that he wore out the carpet beside his bed um, and I said, oh, yeah, but <laughs> I shouldn't be so cynical. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I know that when I had deep loss in my life, 
I actually did go and kneel on my, I actually got out of bed in the middle of the night and would pray when I was in times of real loss. And, and I prayed my heart out to God. <laughs> and I think, and in some of those moments, it's like, you can't, he's not listening. But, but a lot of the time, actually, when I did actually get out of bed, because I'm not someone who's grown up kneeling to pray beside my bed. Like, that's not an everyday thing for me. Um, but when I have had, like, heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching, awful stuff happening, actually, if I woke up and couldn't sleep, actually rolling out of bed onto the floor and praying actually was a really positive thing, even though it's not a positive feeling at that moment, but it, it was actually a really positive um, thing in those moments as well. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks, Heidi. Sorry if I talked too long. Sorry, no, boy. No, not at all. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk. Um, uh, you know, I guess my rough outline is that we'll talk about um, we'll talk about the negative stuff in a moment, but then we will talk about. I guess I see that there are two two main challenges to prayer. There are practical challenges, like how do I actually create a habit or space in my life for this is so hard. My mind races, you know, I don't know how to do it. Practical challenge. And then there are philosophical challenges. Mm -hmm. Not even listening. And I remember very vividly, like when Noah had reflux and, and he would just scream like all night, every night. And I just remember just feeling like I wanted to, uh, these desperate prayers of like, God, just make this baby stop screaming. But then I would have this second thought of like, but if you make this baby stop screaming and you don't do anything about the larger problems in the world, what, what's wrong with you? And so, you know, the philosophical problems, um, why does God heal some people and not others? And obviously, you know, Rach put in the WhatsApp thing about praying for the situation in Ukraine mm. and candidly answered that that just feels like the child crying out into the into the bleak you know void and um so we'll talk a little bit about that and then and then i'd like to try and have some space just to talk about different um actual different ways of praying different streams of prayer different practices that we might try because i think that um sometimes like many things right we we want to chuck out the whole thing because we've had a negative experience with this aspect but maybe the answer is to actually explore you know, there's many rich branches in this tree and maybe we just need to try a different branch rather than giving up on it. Um, so, but before we do that, just to reframe the question around maybe some of those negative experiences of prayer, I think maybe a more pointed way of asking it is what are the experiences you've had that have made you want to stop praying? Have you had those things that have happened that it's suddenly after that point, it's very hard to pray? That can happen in one dramatic disappointed moment of disappointment or it can happen gradually over time. But anyone want to share the things that maybe have happened that have stopped you from engaging in prayer? Unanswered prayer and serious issues. Um, make you question and then make you question why, well, why, why would we continue I mean, I say that, but I have a flip side answer where I know Jesus just wants us to continue pray. And that's one of the ironies, I think, with, with our faith, and it just keeps coming through in our writing that Jesus does stuff the opposite to what you think. You know, there's a neighbour of mine who um, for years we argued and argued, and anyway, he got a serious illness and uh, I gave him a, a CD to listen on that was titled, it was death. It was about death. Uh, it's by Michael Frost. It's one of the best sermons I've ever heard. And then I, with the Yancey book, What's So Amazing About Grace, we went through it. Now, I was at a point where I was faithless, I think, at that point. I was questioning whether my faith was real. And I used to get these little messages from God that said, just go down and see this guy. Yeah, yeah, I know about your, your problems, but you go down and do this and I'll, I'll sort those other ones that you've got with you later. I don't know that he ever did, 
But after a year of meeting with this guy, uh, he made, just before he died, he made a, a serious commitment of faith. And I learned from that, it's analogous to when Jesus says to me, just keep praying. Yeah, even if you don't want to, just keep praying. Just keep talking. And I think out of that, some good will come, even though there are times when it looks like there's no good around. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Pete. Jez, Heidi, either of you want to share situations or experiences that have, have kind of stopped, made it feel impossible to pray? There's no no pressure. Jez, I, I can see Jez's lips moving, but I can't hear him. Oh, sorry, I'm a bit far. Um, I think... <laughs> I think just um, through shaky moments of faith and shaky years, um, I've had kind of some shaky years and it's a lot different to when I was younger. Um, when I was a teenager, it was I was pretty um, gung-ho with my praying and um, just kind of the disappointments of life and um, just... You know, where I've seen a lot of hardship in my own life and my family's life, and it makes it hard to kind of believe that the prayer is doing anything. Um, and um, it makes it difficult to, yeah, if you're not fully, if your heart's not fully in something, it's hard to kind of commit to it. So I find that with prayer a lot of the time. For me, I just feel like it's so difficult. Like, there's so many issues in the world. There's so many issues in my life that it's hard to know where they even start. Um, so I give up a lot of the time. But then, like Pete was saying, I just, I've somehow learned to just push on and keep trying. Um, you know, I'm like, I'm a kneeler. So um, I, most of my prayers are on my knees. Um on my bed, next to my bed, because I just feel, I've just always done that. Um, and it's become sacred space. And um, so I just, yeah, I guess it's hard. Like, you know, you get, yeah, if more was going well for me in my life, I'd probably find prayer a lot easier. But like you was all saying, it's in those desperate moments of, um, desperate times when our prayers really probably they're the worst but they're the best because we have we know we can only rely on God so um, yeah I think it's um, yeah good to to keep pushing on and just keep keep doing it keep believing that it's gonna um, have hope have hope that it's gonna that God's going to listen and start to change things. So, yeah. I guess um, when you're saying, well, like something that's made you stop, I actually don't think I've had, I can say a thing when I've stopped praying. Um, normally if things have gone really bad and even <laughs> I can think of um, a moment, uh, a situation probably 10 years ago or something, Um when I was so disappointed with something, but my reaction was that was to get really angry at God. But I didn't stop praying. I just prayed lots of angry prayers. <laughs> um, uh, I think that the time where I would stop praying would be actually th that I will suddenly realise that I've stopped praying. And usually that's because there is no bad thing at that time. But the, the lack of prayer is usually um around that as opposed to around a, a thing making me stop things tend to like negative things tend to make me pray more <laughs> um and yeah like 
yeah, I can't. So there's not there's not a thing that stopped me from praying except from distraction and busyness and tiredness as a young mum when my kids were little or um, just everything being okay Like I, I think that I, when things are bad, I tend to just actually pray a lot more. Hmm. Well, um, all, all of you guys, it sounds like you've um, got the you got the marathon happening, the marathon and not the sprint. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's something in that. They're, they're just continuing in and out of different seasons. And but I want to acknowledge for anyone who is watching this later and maybe feels like they haven't been able to pray for pray for months, years. Um, that's okay. And if that has been your experience, don't sort of watch this and think, oh, geez, like I'm somehow worse than or less than these, these holy ones who have just kept praying because there are some real things that can, can really knock, you know, knock out our sense of whether or not prayer is something that's worth doing. And I think that there's either, either we just stop praying completely or we, we stop completely praying certain kinds of prayers. And maybe that's more common is that we just go, well, I'm going to just pray um maybe just just for my own sense of inner peace and security and i think that's that's totally fine um those centering prayers and it's probably where the majority of my prayer practice is these days but some of us might go is there any point in praying for somebody's healing or is there any point in praying for big situations out there and um, i think that's where it can become kind of like the big question does prayer do anything um, beyond maybe what it can do. Um, I think it's worth just like observing that I think prayer is like a really human thing. I think it's just kind of human nature to pray. And there's lots of stories of people um, who don't have faith praying in moments of desperation. And, and when they do like, you know, research um, studies have shown that just in polls and things, most people will identify that they have prayed at, at some point, whether or not they're religious um, and there's also lots of studies around the health benefits of prayer. People that regularly pray, um, do generally have, you know, a whole range of health benefits, lower stress, you know, different bits and pieces. So if you're just looking at it just purely scientifically, it seems like prayer is like a, a, a human impulse and it is good for people, even if it is just at that level of just personal well-being and outlook, um, but I guess there's this kind of deeper question around, you know, well, is prayer actually doing anything um, beyond that? And, and one thing that I think very much was kind of in what you were just sharing, Heidi, is this idea that it's easier to pray in the more difficult or desperate times. And I was thinking about that today. I was thinking about how often we, we pray when we reach the end of our ability to, to influence something that we feel we wish was different right? We pray like Nicola the other week sharing about Addison, you know, needing to get to WA and it seems sort of impossible. It's kind of like, there's nothing else we can do. We've tried everything. So can we just pray and hope that it'll do something? Um, we experience that in our own lives when we just get to the end of ourselves and we just throw out like a prayer of desperation maybe. But I think that actually that's kind of a nice picture of like prayer happens when we kind of reach, we, we become aware of our limits, and we open ourselves up to something beyond our own limitations and capacity to do something. And I guess I was thinking about that because I was then thinking that if you have a regular intentional habit of prayer, you could view it as a way of regularly and intentionally reminding yourself of your limits in a good way and, and living a life that opens yourself up to, to, um, you know, both a, a gratitude and an awareness that through our limitation we rely on, like we need oxygen and we need breath and we need the sun to rise and we need our daily bread. So there's a gratitude side to understanding our limits. But then I think there is also this openness to, well, there are just things, whether it's in my, in my household or in my street or in my nation or in the world that are just so beyond my ability to do anything and and maybe it's a good thing to just have a, a regular heart posture towards the the openness and the hope towards change that is something i can't control 
So I just think that it's just a thought process I had, but I thought that, yeah, even just prayer as becoming aware of our limitations and then opening ourselves up to the possibility of change beyond us. It's quite a beautiful thing. Um, any uh, thoughts or reactions before I move into the next section, just uh, along that train of thought, did it spark anything for you? I think it depends what type of prayer you're praying. So talking about, like, I think you're right that often people pray when they reach the end of their human limitations and they need like divine intervention. Um, but that's if you're talking about prayer as um, asking for things to change um, in some way for someone or something. Um, which is really different to if you're praying like a prayer of thanksgiving or gratitude. Um, that's that's different. Yeah, I reckon that could come from the same that could come from the same posture because often the gratitude is around recognizing that I, I could not have made this sunrise myself. Like yeah. in some in some ways it's still about my smallness. Mm-hmm. Still about um, whether it's the desperation or the gratitude it's about acknowledging my 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 limited place in the world and my reliance on something bigger um but totally like there there are very different i guess there are different things we can try and seek in prayer and again if we're praying a prayer of confession or um, a more intercessory prayer you know they're, they're quite different um i guess my next sort of just open-ended question for us you know, to think through what we might do about some of our practical and our philosophical challenges to prayer. I guess, it, you know, the, the question behind the question is like, why pray at all? Like, what is the purpose of prayer? And if we think that the purpose of prayer is to like put our coin in the cosmic slot machine and then be able to pick our outcome and just get it every time, we're going to very quickly be disappointed by prayer because it's not actually achieving that purpose. It's not actually working like that. So open-ended question at this point in time, in your journey, what do you think, uh, what is the purpose or some of the purposes of prayer as far as you can see? Building a relationship with God. You know, you... Even if you're not saying anything, you know, if you if you wander outside and you sit and you look around, it's hard not to not to build a connection. Uh, you know, I, I have this battle where I'm just in awe of what I see. You see some of the photos I take. I mean, to to find these little birds with such amazing colours, and then just to find when I have turned to prayer, and my prayer is not so much focused, I think, on myself, but often my disappointment comes when I'm praying for others mm. and my failure to understand um, how this situation's come to be mm. and, and why can't we pray when I read in your word, it seems to be fairly clear that we can pray and if there's prayer of faith, and that's where I count on lots of other people because if I'm not counted as faithful, I'm hoping others might be. But but why why are some of those prayers not answered? Look, I don't know if we'll ever get an answer for that. That's part of my answer is what I said before. I, I know Paul prayed to get rid of his ailment three times. If, if there's ever someone close to God, it would be Paul. You'd think that. God might answer that one for someone so for one of the apostles. But so maybe I just keep praying and trying to build that relationship with God and uh, sometimes not dwell on on the negatives of why that couldn't be. Yeah, relationship. I think that's a good a good way of viewing the purpose of prayer. Yeah. Any other thoughts? What, what the, you know, the why of prayer as far as you see it? 
I think it's our way of interacting with God and God interacting with us um, and communicating. So I guess that builds into the relationship thing, like it's, it's our way of communicating with God. And even though it might not be direct communication and sometimes you might feel like you're doing all the talking or sometimes you might be just sitting back and listening and listening to the listening. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's it's about that sort of thing. And I, I often think it serves a purpose, a different purpose uh, when people pray together for something. I just feel that. I know that when you know when three or more come to, two or more come together in prayer, blah blah. But I also think that there is value in the connection of jointly praying for something, and it's more than jo- jointly hoping or jointly wishing for something. But I think there is a power from God when that happens, but it doesn't always get answered. But I also think there's power in feeling that connection with other people who are united in praying for something and I just I know that in the past I had a friend who ultimately passed away but there are a group of us that prayed for her and prayed and prayed and prayed um and even though she wasn't healed there was still power in coming together to pray for her if that makes sense Mm. or value in that yeah. And then being <laughs> united in our sadness and questioning about why it didn't happen, um, I still think that there was value in that. There's value in the relationships formed with one another while we're united in trying to communicate with God. Mm. And it might not be something that you realise, I sound really old saying this. I don't know how old you are, Jess. I've got no idea. But. <laughs> Um, but I, yeah, I think there's, I think, (laughs) you know, I feel really old just saying this, but even though at the time, you know, I remember how hurt and angry and upset and questioning we were at that time, over time, that's one of the things I've got is there was value in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's so true. I, I, I feel like, um, the best definition working definition of the why of prayer that I kind of have is the, the aligning of our heart with God's heart. Mm. And that when we pray, whether that's like, I believe that God desires the healing of all things. So whether I'm praying for the healing of all things or the healing of one particular person, like I'm trying to align my heart with the desires of God. Um, and I think that that's, that's such a helpful definition because aligning our heart with God can be learning how to, how to weep and suffer with each other because I believe that God is in that very much as well as it can be learning how to rejoice and celebrate and, and be grateful, um, kind of like learning how to process the full spectrum of human experience um, in the same way that Jesus experienced that full spectrum of, of um, friendship and celebration and suffering and grief. Um, the, the book, um, that I found, you know, Pete has read, there's a guy named Thomas J. Ord who wrote a book called God Can't. And, um, to give you the quick summary in case you don't read the book, he, he wrote the book because he kind of, um, says, you know, for people that have suffered, um, the prayers that really just should have been answered right? Like it's all good to talk about how God wants people to be healed, but then people die. And it's all good to talk about how God wants, you know, God's not into abuse, but people get abused. And, and sometimes people get abused, you know, in, in churches, like, um, so how do you pray after something like that? How do you keep any faith in God's goodness? If God could have stopped that from happening, but didn't. And, and so this guy is kind of a a leading voice in an area of theology called, um, open theism now this this if you haven't heard of it um there's there's a big world of stuff out there you could go and and read more um but the idea of open theism is actually that traditional theism you know ideas about god 
always kind of place God as um, outside of time and that God is kind of knows beginning to end everything in history. Um, and the idea of open theism is actually that God is, is, is with us in the, the present moment and God is not in the future. God is not outside of time. And, and the idea is that um, if, God's, if God is all loving, right, and God always wants the good for all things, but God has created a universe in which there is freedom of the will, the idea is kind of like what if that freedom goes all the way down to, to even cancer cells? What if that freedom, like the whole universe, is kind of filled with the capacity to align with God's image or to reject it? And when we pray, there's kind of the opportunity to seek um, for all things to say yes to God's will. And it's like in some moments, everything, the humans, the cells, like everything says yes. And in other moments, they don't in the same way that that happens with human beings. And we're like, why did you not stop doing that stupid thing? Um, anyway, I'm not describing this super well, but the idea is just that like, we, we can never, we never need to doubt that in any situation, God's, God's heart is love and love would always heal. You know, there's no, there's no mysterious reason why God let that person die because there's some good in it is the, is the open theist position. Now it's, it's quite a, if, if you haven't encountered that sort of theology before, it's like a radical kind of rethink of theology. And it means that the future it's called open theism because the future is open the future is actually not something that God has planned out with all these intricate, well, this person dies because then down the track, this good thing happens and then this happens and it, you know, it's all planned out. It's actually like, no, the future is unfolding in a universe that is characterized by uh, an incredibly loving God who is slowly overturning things. And we get the, the chance to participate in that, but actually God is not um, in control of everything. God can't, God, God can't is the name of this book that this guy wrote. This idea that God actually can't control and coerce my action because that's against the nature of love. So if God is truly loving in nature, then God is not actually controlling uh, everything that happens. Now that's a scary idea potentially. Um, but I actually find that idea helps me to think it helps me to pray because it helps me to go. If God is, if God is ultimately loving, but maybe not as controlling of every detail of things. Like I'd, I'd rather that than a God who is in control of everything, but allows some of the terrible things we see to happen because it sort of feels like that God is more controlling than loving. And I'd rather a God that's more loving than controlling. Um, may have just twisted your, your brain up, but just um, any, any reactions or thoughts or Pete, You've, you're familiar with these ideas to some extent. Do you want to fix up my botched explanation of that? No, I'm going to leave you right in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I, um, I found that book really helpful. The bit that confuses me is that I see or I hear so many stories where God has intervened. So, um, you know, I don't know. My, I'm not even sure how. I imagine sometimes maybe God is just looking at all of this unfold and he says, I've got to, I've got to do something here. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know, because I found that concept. I can understand then and I can accept like you that if, God has given us our free will. And the moment he begins to interfere with that, then all of a sudden we don't have that freedom or, you know, that free will that, that we've been promised. Uh, in some senses, we have to pay the consequences for our actions um, and recognise our position, which in fact then encourages me to go back to God because I, I recognise my weakness. That's not so hard to do. And my, I recognise my, my need for God. So 
not sure if I've helped at all, Will, but anyway, there's a little bit. Uh, that's that's good. I, I think the, the idea as well is that it's not that God is um, never, it's not that God isn't able to do things. It's just that to, to do things, um, there's the level of participation. And so when we pray, we're participating with God um, and we're inclining ourselves in the direction of things. Um, but in the same sense, I guess there are things that can resist. And that's where God, it's that God may maybe influences and still has enormous power. Like love is the most powerful thing in the universe, I think. Love is the creative energy that created the universe, we could say. Um, but but God's love is never coercive. So God can't, you know, God can't force a person to change unless there's a an openness and a willingness. But maybe there's lots of openness and willingness in places where we wouldn't necessarily expect to see it. Like maybe sometimes there's an openness and a willingness in the body in a way that we can't just see with our eyes. And that's maybe where sometimes things happen. It's just a way of under, a way, a framework of going, well, maybe there's something about the healing, whether or not it happens. Maybe it's not just about whether or not we had like enough faith in the petrol, you know, tank. Maybe it's also about um, God can't coerce, but there's also like resistance. Maybe there's resistance and openness everywhere. I, I find that helpful because I think we know that in people, right? Like we know that, as people we can be totally resistant and shut off to things or we can be open and curious and that totally changes our experience of the world and maybe there's lots of things in the universe that are like that where there's a resistance and a, a closed offness and 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 that maybe you know i would then go to say that i believe god's love will ultimately um gradually over time melt every resistance and open every heart and restore and reconcile all things that is kind of what I believe, um, but that some of what seems unanswered now is because God is not, God is not forcing change coercively, and maybe that goes beyond just human beings. Maybe it goes to the very, yeah, cells in a virus, or I don't know. It's kind of a, it's an interesting idea. But um, for those that are feeling particularly stuck in prayer, that may want to look into that it can be quite a liberating way of engaging in prayer that goes, yes, real difference can happen. But um, also that there might be a sense in which God is not, um, you know, uh, writing every sentence of what happens in history. There is maybe some relational nature to the universe and it's unfolding a bit, a bit mysteriously. And that's kind of dangerous, but that's what love is like, right? Like it is, volatile um all right well there's the philosophical footnote to to go and pursue more if you'd like to but it, with the bit of little bit of time we have left um i think that we've all we've all kind of said it it's that even though prayer um can lead us to a lot of questions big and small it seems like there's something in it that's worth pursuing it seems like it's a marathon that's worth running and we've all spoken about the times when, whether we've been in positive or negative seasons, we felt, we felt the benefits of, of praying and opening ourselves up to God. Um, so I just thought we could just have a quick chat about some of the different ways that we, we might pray, because I know that one thing that kind of stops me from praying is getting just caught in the rut of, you know, I, I just have been doing this thing for a while and it just feels like it's lifeless but then I try something else and that can be really helpful. And maybe for people that haven't prayed in a long time as well, it might be, well, maybe you don't want to go back to how you used to pray years ago, but there's like rich streams of, of different ways of engaging with prayer. Um, so just uh, I've got a few things I thought I could just throw out there as things you might want to try. But um, at the moment, do, do any of you have a current I guess, prayer practice that um, you want to share what that looks like for you? You know, does prayer happen at, at a set time or does it just happen organically throughout your day? Or, you know, what, what does it look like at this point in time practically in your life? And sound really corny that I actually pray for people on the golf course. <laughs> I could almost tell you what 
hole I was on because I associated a person with that hole. So there was a person that I could pray for. Um, I found that really valuable um, because it's connecting me to the people I'm praying for and I'm always keen to follow up to see how they are. So I think it's relationship not just with God, I guess, but in the case of praying for, for others, it's building a relationship in a sense with them. Mm. My sister-in-law drives me crazy because she prays all the time, and I know that's what the scripture says. But you know, she's a she's a God gave me a spot in the car park type thing, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> but but I look at the joy that it brings her. So who am I to say? Mm. Um, she's quite an encouragement to be around. No, she's not. She's actually a pain sometimes, but. <laughs> But she is, she really, I think, is filled with the spirit in a way. You know, she, she demonstrates that she is in love with her faith, in, in love with God. I don't, I don't know. A bit like that guy who wrote the book, you know, about peeling the spuds and praying in everything. Brother Lawrence. Yeah, Brother Lawrence. But I'm not sure I can add wisdom other than taking time just to sit and be quiet sometimes and try and listen to what God might be telling you, mm. whether you want to or not. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm not really like you guys, like in that with the nature. I have a very one-track mind. So like if I'm doing something, like I'll just be focused on that one thing. So like if I'm going for like a nature walk, I'm just going for a nature walk. Like I don't have the headspace to like pray while I'm doing that. But um, I think most of my prayer is in my bed um, because most like that's just a safe space for me. That's where I feel um, just the most safe, the most warm. I don't like the outside world very much, <laughs> but um, I just. I mainly pray when things come up. So like if someone tells me they're sick or if someone tells me they've got, you know, just problems or like work stuff or, um, so I'm more like a responsive prayer rather than a um, do it off my own, my own bat. Um, and most of it's, I do pray a lot for myself, but I try not to, be too self-centered in that because I know that I have the faith and the the power to change someone else's situation. So I try and, um, you know, not make it all about myself, but I do pray a lot for myself because um, I think it's just easy. Like, you know, what's going on with yourself and, you know, you know what you need. Um, but then if someone ask me for prayer or um, I know that someone's going through a rough time, that's when I'll probably pray the most. So I'm pretty kind of just kind of waiting for things to, to pray about. Um, I'd love to be a bit more kind of be able to think from stuff on my, on my own a bit more, but um, it's just, yeah, it's easy when someone tells you, like if someone tells you what to pray for, like I find that kind of, you know, um, yeah, just a nice prompt um, to to pray. So, um, yeah, I can't really do it outside of the house. Like, I'm pretty, yeah, just um, I like to do it in an environment where I'm comfortable and, um, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, unlike you, Jess, I normally pray in bed. <laughs> um and I guess that's one of those habit type things that you might have, people might have started when they were younger. Yeah. Um, and even if you go away from that, when you come back to that, there's a sense of comfort in coming back to it, I think. Um, and I do tend to pray more for other people. Um, and unless I'm going through some trauma. <laughs> 
um, I often, I'll often go a few days and then think I should pray for me. I should pray for what, you know, what my needs are. Like I sometimes forget that I tend to pray more for um, other people, like my family and things like that um, and that sort of thing. But I, if I go for a walk or something, I will definitely pray. Like if I go for a walk with a dog, I will definitely pray then as well. So I guess that's what prayer looks for me. I'm not quite to the car park stage, Peter, but um, my mum, if I take my mum somewhere, my mum will always pray. Like, and my mum, I don't even know where mum is with everything, but she'll still pray for a quick car park. <laughs> um, so I do definitely have people like that. But I guess also I've um, got a group of friends who I've um studied the Bible with for a long time now, for years and years and years, and um, they will put things in the chat, kind of like how Nicola put that thing in the other day um, for each other and for our families and that sort of thing. And that's like that remind, that responsive prayer, Jess. Like that's like, okay, I'll pray for, you know, my friend's dad who's had a heart attack. Like that will be on, that will be in response. So I do like that kind of prayer as well. But, yeah, in bed, that's the most regular one. <laughs> mm. Well, thanks for sharing a snapshot into what prayer looks like for you guys. Um, I just thought I'd throw out a few things that I've found helpful just when I'm trying to experiment with different things. And particularly I just think, you know, I just keep feeling like Christianity is actually so much richer and wider and deeper um, than any of the tribes that we might have grown up in and to like learn from the different streams of, of, you know, styles of prayer. You've got charismatic prayer looks very different to contemplative prayer, but maybe they both have something to teach us and something to offer us in different spaces and stages. Um, so some things I found helpful that, that you may or may not have tried. Um, uh, there's a, a prayer practice called centering prayer, um, which is basically very, very much like just doing a meditation practice um, where you choose a word like Jesus or like Holy Spirit or even love. And um, as you kind of, you know, try and just still your thoughts uh, and centering prayer is one of those ones that, you know, um, it's probably best to try and do for at least 15 to 30 minutes. If you can, it might take a while to build up, but the idea is just to sit, focus on the breath and just try to be in the presence of God. And it really is, it's grounding, it's centering. It's about trying to let some of the stuff slip away and just to sit in that, in that presence. Um, but I've found that a very different shift when you're used to prayer, just being like, here's my shopping list of things I want to just actually have a time of centering prayer. Um, I uh, saw Benj last year sometime started to do fixed hour prayer. And I think at nine o'clock, 12 o'clock and three o'clock, he just had three different, you know, very simple prayers. I think at nine o'clock, he might've prayed the Lord's prayer. Um, at 12 o'clock, he might've prayed. There's a prayer called the Jesus prayer, which is just Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, the sinner. Um, and then at three o'clock, it might've been um, a, a Psalm or it, it was a short, it was a short one, short and memorable. The kind of thing that you can just have it ping on your phone at a fixed hour each day. And it's the kind of prayer that you know off by heart and it just becomes a, a bit more of a ritual and a rhythm. But um, I've tried that and found that really helpful as well. And during the lockdown, basically just every day I went for a walk after lunch and just prayed Psalm 23. And that was a really beautiful thing, particularly as someone who grew up feeling like prayer had to be this, I had to come up with the words and I had, you know, I was very anti pre-written prayers or kind of more, you know, um, liturgical forms of prayer but I've found it so good to just pray some of those things that you can go back to when you don't have the words so Psalm 23 the Lord's Prayer things like that they're great too because you can you can just say them but then you can kind of out of the lines you know you, you might say um, give us our daily bread and then you start to actually you know you kind of come into contact with what is my daily bread right now that I'm stressing about? What are the things I'm worried about? And, you know, it opens it up to then become more free. Another thing that's been, you know, huge for me over the years is um, I don't do it that consistently, but um, I, I consistently, inconsistently journal. And when I go back through my journal and a lot of the time it is just 
a dump directed at God, but it becomes this picture of the, the I, I look back and I see that a year ago I was, I was kind of worried about something that I've recently started to worry about again. And I kind of can tell myself, oh, it was fine. Um, but I can also see through that journaling process that God, my heart has some recurring themes and that I kind of see that, that, that the work of the spirit is to continue to help my heart wrestle out some of those themes. And so to have that on paper, I, I find can be, it's special because even if in the moment it didn't feel like anything, you kind of have a record of this story, this unfolding story of what's going on in your heart and for other people, of course. Um, the other, the other thing is, um, I think I shared this in, in the meeting ground thing a couple of years ago, but, um, it came out of what's his name? Mr. Rogers. We watched the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks. And there's this scene where it talked about, you know, he was known for just praying for people by name. And they had a scene where he was just sitting on the edge of the pool about to do his morning laps. And he was just saying the names and, that was really like that became a thing I did for a while where when I didn't really feel like I had the energy to go into these long prayers for different people, just to say people's names and just to have this sense of like, you know, God, I just, I pray today for, for Jez and for Heidi and for Pete, um, a beautiful way of turning our heart towards others. So those are a few things you might want to try just scattering them out there. Um, and, on, and the examine, I've talked a bunch about the examine, but the examine is at the end of your day, and this is the one I do most regularly, at the end of your day, play through your day, kind of back in your mind with the Holy Spirit, you know, this sort of sense of where we're kind of reflecting on the day together. And, and as you notice the moments from your day where you didn't kind of act in, in loving Christ-like ways, you can notice that and kind of have a bit of a, conversation around, I, I want to do that differently next time. Or, you know, I'm sorry about the way I, I did not treat that person like they bear the image of God. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, and then in that space, you also, you pause with the moments where you did, where you were present, where you were loving, where you did act like Christ and, and you kind of sit with that and celebrate that, let it sink in um, and then kind of set a bit of an intention for the next day found that that's a wonderful prayer practice for looking inwards, but, but for the sake of that character transformation that helps you to be more um, outwards focused. So there you go. I'm sure there's way more forms of prayer we could cover, but if there's something that you're interested in, give it a go. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I love it when people chuck a prayer thing in the chat as well. I think that's a cool a cool thing to have a space like, and we might have other spaces where we do that, but to reach out to other people. Um, it's always a nice thing. Even if you don't know what it's doing, I think to know that people are praying for you is, is deeply comforting. And, mm. and I also, I just think to be honest, like many people, I think in meeting ground, I have big questions around whether or not prayer can do the miraculous, but I also I always want to hold space in my heart for the mystical and for the things that go beyond my rational understanding of the world. So I don't, I don't want to be irrational, but I want to, as much as I go through life trying to live a, a very, you know, cognitively consistent, rational existence, I want to hold space in my heart for mystery and for uh, something bigger than myself. So I think that even if prayer, even if we, you know, we don't have to know what we believe about it to do it and True. to do it in some way that opens us up to the hope of possibility beyond what we understand, I think is, is probably a good thing ultimately for our, for our heart. So on that note, I'll let you guys go to your beds and pray if you would like. Um, let, me, let me pray a short, a short and sweet prayer for you um, if that's okay uh, as, we, as we head off. God, we, uh, we pray that we would know how to pray. We, we, we thank you that um, your disciples, you know, Jesus' disciples said, teach us how to pray, and you gave a prayer that was so practical and down to earth about daily bread, about um, 
you know, the little everyday things, but also about your kingdom coming um, on earth as it is in heaven and about, you know, um, seeking to, to help bring about a world that looks um, more like a, a world shaped by love. So I just pray for each of us now that whatever our prayer practice looks like, wherever we're at with prayer and for anyone watching this later, um, that, that we would sense the invitation towards whatever practice is going to help connect us um, with openness, with love, um, with, with, you know, your heart. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, friends. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And uh, catch you soon. <laughs>